You're listening to 247 Real Talk. This is your host, Julian Perry. For this episode, I will be having an open discussion with the team from Bruh Podcast. And we're simply going to be talking about what's on our minds. We'll be right back. Uh, good evening, gentlemen. Welcome to 247 Real Talk. Thank you for joining me on this uh, podcast and for this episode. Uh, glad to have you here. Are you there? Yeah, thank you for having us. We're glad to be on. Great, great. Yeah, so sure. why don't we start off by letting everybody know who's on the team on Brock Hub Podcast by introducing yourselves. I guess I'll start. Uh, my name is Courtney. Um, just one of the hosts on Brad's podcast. Uh, we've been doing it for about a year. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> you ready? Wow. Wow. Time flies when you're having fun. My name is, I'm, uh, we all share the hosting and we all, uh, our personalities. We're just a bunch of guys, you know, just like to get together, talk about serious topics, have fun, relate, stuff like that. And I'm Q. I'm the veteran. I'm the LeBron to these two Lakers. Okay. (laughs) All right. So we're going to get right into it. And I'm going to basically start us off. And then uh, you you guys can jump in and tell us what's on your mind as well. But, you know, it's kind of hard to be anywhere in the United States and not have the recent election and the subsequent events and today is a significant day of the inauguration uh, which looked nothing like we've ever seen before um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's significant in history for many many reasons so why don't you start off by telling me what's on your mind and we'll jump in from there uh, to me I see uh, progression I see potential inclusion so I definitely see us going in the right direction. Um, and, and that's important because uh, the last couple of years, we definitely regressed as a nation. So it's good to know that on the first day, even with the inauguration process and the, the people who sang and who took part in the inaugurating, uh, uh, Kamala Harris and, and uh, President Joe Biden, it's, uh, it's good to see that our country is moving forward and back in the right direction. Okay, I mean, it's, uh, so we have no controversial thoughts about that anywhere in the team, huh? No. <laughs> okay, that's that's unanimous. So, oh, you know, but that, that's that's a nice surface statement. But let's get into a little nitty gritty for a moment because we had things like the riots at the capitals. We had, um, you know, things that happened, you know, irrespective of which side of the aisle you're on or what your ideology is, that simply brought to me, brought shame to this country, brought shame to us as human beings. But, you know, um, can't, you know, people behaved like we couldn't have a decent conversation and discussion on, on opposite sides of the aisle without, you know, regressing to a, a, an action that we would have thought would never happen in this day and age. I was enraged to see it. I mean, how did you guys feel about it? And, you know, 
your individual thoughts. Hmm. Well, it, it, it was a surprise, but it wasn't a surprise in the sense that, uh, his base is built up from a lot of ignorant folks and ignorant folks generally can't think for themselves. So despite knowing the facts and knowing what's going on in terms of the election, you, you're being directed by a director and you're not thinking for yourself and you're privileged on top of that. So you're going to get further than most people are going to get. So, and I mean, you're surprised that it got to that point, but watching these idiots for four years do silly things and say silly things. It was just a matter of time of how far would it go? Okay. But you know, you, yeah, I think go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I think, you know, that that's a, a lighter way of saying it, but you know, the, the, the surprise or the non-surprise that I guess what you're saying is the conversation that, you know, has been permeating throughout just the country. If this was a group, of african-american people what would have happened right like what's the news the next day what are the cops doing that same day is this the worst tragedy massacre whatever will end up happening um if you see black people um running down on a building breaking windows pushing police officers to the side not listening you know, we look aggressive apparently whenever we're sitting in a car with our hands on the vehicle, with our hands on a steering wheel, not moving. So now imagine how we look if we're storming a federal building with literally <laughs> with weapons and other people to the side of us chanting, saying, we don't care. We want to find, like they were literally on camera talking about vandalizing and stealing federal and private information on in the Capitol. Like the, one of the most, apparently what we thought one of the most secure buildings in the United States. And it, it, it really made you stop and think this world is really different. Now I know we all know that already, but it, it, it hits a little bit different when you're reminded so forcefully, right? Like, so that was, that was the thoughts that came, came to me as those events started to unfold and, you know, kind of, you know, establish themselves afterwards. Yeah, when you said enraged, I, I completely empathize with your statement. Um, it, it, it's, it's shocking because the blatant disparity, or the disparity was just so blatant, it was, it was almost comical, right? Because as Courtney said, you, you're, you're, you're viewed as aggressive while staying in the car with your hands on the wheel, and you, you end up dying. Right, you're viewed as aggressive in front of your child while she's in the back seat, and you end up getting shot at the end of dying. You're viewed as aggressive when you're in your own home, and there's a known knock, a warrant, and you end up getting shot and murdered. Right? All those things are you're viewed as aggressive, whereas people are storming the Capitol. Right? The probably the second most important building in our government system, because obviously it's the White House. And if if you look at the footage. There are people, they are taking photos of, of the desks where the senators sit, right? So they're opening up their desk and they're, they're running through uh, their files, looking at all documentation, taking photos, trying to uh, take 
what secret information and trying to make it public. And these are patriots, right? These are people who are supposed to be in support of our country. Come on now. Well, yeah, there was a there was. I did hear a story. I don't know how true it is. I did hear a story of one um, lady that was arrested who managed to get hold of a laptop and was trying to sell the laptop yep. with the information to yep. to Russia. But you know, I, I it it lends. You know, to my thoughts, something that's that's deeper, something that's beyond politics, something that's um, be, you know beyond looking at it at a surface level, and that is two things. One, if you looked or, or listened to the news about the lives or the the bios of some of the people who were arrested, these are people that you would look at in another part of society if you ran into them one day in a bank, in a, in a, in a corporate world or whatever, as people with some level of intelligence. You had the one person that was killed that day, and this was a retired vet. And, and you know, um, you kind of have to wonder, how do we get to a point where we lose our individuality, where we lose the ability to think on our own, where, I mean, even as a kid, think about it. If you grow up in a certain way and your parents instill certain rights and wrongs to you, and then you get to school and you've got the peer pressure, you might run off as a kid and do the wrong thing anyway, but you have that gnawing sense that, that you know, inside, that, that in your stomach that, you know, you know this is wrong. And that's something that has much less consequences than, you know, what these people did, you know, it, it was, it was more to me, it, it went beyond, you know, the, 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 the red or the blue, it went beyond who the candidates were. It, it, it spoke to who we are as people and what's hidden deep inside the belly of our society. Go ahead, kid. No, no, I wasn't saying anything. I was just agreeing. Yes. Oh yeah, no, I I, I think uh, a point that you that you briefly touched on that it kind of that peer pressure and like what we've learned in, in society. I actually just watched a movie the other day where it <laughs> we we grew up with a certain set of laws and a father was talking with his son and you know the law is you know you can you can't be illegally you know withheld um either by a cop or by a citizen you have a right to you know stand your ground and protect yourself if your life is in danger and just all of these things that are just made to be law right that are in our constitution and it was an african-american father black father black son and he stopped and he told his son he's like no you know like yeah sure these are rules these are written sure but that doesn't apply to you right so you can grow up and yeah, sure, you can know this and you can know it's in the constitution or whatever the case is. But when you step out into the world and you're dealing with real life or dealing with real life cops or dealing with real life people, there's a different set of rules that apply to you. So no matter what you've been you know, taught or trained, this is kind of how we have to attack life from this, from this moment on. And it's such a sad lesson that has to be learned because I should believe in the laws that the country that I live in are giving us, right? Like I should feel safe wherever I go, but you know, like someone said, it, it, it changes what our values and what our beliefs are supposed to be when we haven't been given that opportunity at all through, you know, the, the history of, you know, the United States. Okay. Well, you know, the thing about it too, 
if we think about, you know, simple, you think about the last four years and we put aside the, the political ideology, you know, there's also all these, this lack of decency, this lack of ethics, this lack of morals, this, 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 you know, this whole challenge of, of indecency that people seemed willing to, or not only seemed, but were willing and still are willing to completely ignore. And it, it, it boggles my mind to understand how not only are they willing to ignore it, but then we have an election. You know, it, it boggles my mind a second time that, you know, you had 72 million votes irrespective of, okay, that's your ideology. I'm going you know, to leave that be. But then you had another candidate who got the most votes of um, any candidate ever at 80, was I think close to 82 million. And yet there is this, there's belief in their mind that someone stole an election and stole over 5 million votes. And that logic doesn't, you know, it, 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 it seems like with, with, it's, it's like someone barks a command at a certain group and they, they forget about the fact that they're individuals that have the ability to think and they go out and do these, you know, these acts of violence and these, these egregious things when the logic doesn't add up. It doesn't, again, it doesn't matter. I mean, let's think about this historically for a moment. We had Bush Gore. And I'm, I'm not a fan of the Electoral College. And I, you know, I'm one of those who believes that they should do away with that because and you know, that gets a little deeper into this topic, and I don't want to spend a whole episode on, on the politics of this alone, but think about it for a second. How can you tell me that my vote counts? How do you inspire me if I'm on the fence to vote when I can vote along with other people for a candidate who gets the popular vote across the country and still loses the election? Right. You know, and, and that that is a thing that people don't even stop to think about. This whole electoral college is is it is nothing but rigging to me because it basically should come down to the country votes. Who gets the more, most votes wins. Otherwise, my vote does not really count. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, you know, that that is that is 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 one aspect of it. And then, like I said, the other one is. You know, the things that were said to me, I mean, I think that in a lot of cases over the last four years, you know, people, people, especially other, other uh, dignitaries and leaders across the world who understand the importance of dealing with the United States and having a relationship with the United States, I think they have a public face and I think they have their behind the scenes face when no one is looking. And I can't help but think, but maybe many of us were ridiculed. Americans were ridiculed in many ways because we didn't at the least, even if you had the same political ideology as one party or the other, we didn't even stand up as a people and say, okay, we can agree to disagree on the the politics, but we need to maintain the standards of decency. We need to maintain the standards of ethics. We need to basically, you know, be able to discern very clearly when the all the evidence is in front of our face, what's the truth and what's not. And so, you know, if government is for the people, which is a whole different discussion, um, then we need to condemn things irrespective of the leader when it obviously 
makes us look like a mockery to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. So I, I think what happened is uh, number 45 was he uh, awakened some sleeping dogs, right? Uh, maybe they were resting, you know, maybe they were still full from kibbles and bits or whatever the idea might be. But some people still are growing up in racism, right? They, they, they're growing up with certain ideologies, uh, definitely some biases, some prejudices and so forth. So the fact that they might still have these beliefs inside their hearts, they might not speak on it in public, right? Because, you know, it's politically incorrect, quote unquote. But he made it okay, right? He made it okay for you to uh, disrespect anybody. He made it okay for you to be um, immoral, right? He made it okay for you to be unethical, right? He, he, he made it okay, and he empowered these people. And there's nothing more than idiots love is other idiots who's going to make them feel powerful, right? I, I, I forgot the, the, the study behind it, but there is a, a psychology terminology or, or something that says that when people are together or when they're in a group, they tend to uh, act more harshly. Right. They feel empowered by the peer pressure. So they go even an extra mile. Right. Whereas if they're by themselves, maybe they would have uh, not have gone as far, but they would have acted out. So he empowered them. And, and for four years, he empowered them. And the most powerful person in the world empowers them. And then they get with their friends. And then that's what leads to the capital. Right. Right. But all these years just made one big explosion. And it was extremely sad to see. Yeah, and, and you know, I think one of the things too that I don't know if you guys experienced this, but I look back. I come from a time and a place where I have long-standing friendships. Um, matter of fact, I had a childhood friend uh, die from a- uh, ALS right before Christmas, and I was reflecting on our friendship and realized that I'd known her for forty-six years, and it was sad to see how many people I removed from my social media because, as you said, they were emboldened and, and the, the mm. truth about them and, and their statements, you know, I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't believe you know, I had to look at them in, in a different way and say, wait a minute, you know, you've known me for all these years. We, you know, we're, we're supposed to be okay. You know, we're supposed to be better than okay. And based on these statements, I wonder, what do you really think about me when I'm not around? And exactly. you know, not not for you know, as a measure of intelligence of knowledge, but simply as a as a measure of the color of my skin. Mm-hmm. And 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 I lost a lot of friendship. I, I I got rid of a lot of people on Facebook. And again, it had nothing to do with with if we disagreed in political ideology. Because I love a good debate. I don't care. You know, if 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 we talk about anything you know, across society that is politically driven, which is almost everything. You know, I have no problem if we're on opposite sides of the fence, and I have no problem if at the end of the conversation we agree to disagree. But when your 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 attacks, I mean, I saw some statements made the minute Joe Biden was um, a president. Biden, let me be respectful. The minute he was uh, he was nominated, the minute he won the nomination, and you know, and he chose uh, his running mate, Kamala Harris, Vice President Harris. 
the statements and the pictures and the things that came out, the names that she was called, which she wasn't called the day before. Mm. You know, mm. you, you, you kind of have to wonder. And, and those names were not derogatory based on someone who fact, felt that they looked at her record and, you know, it was relevant to that. These, these things had to do with her being a woman and had to do with her being mm. a woman of color. And it, I won't repeat some of the things I saw and heard, but, you know, the ignorance of it all is, is like, for instance, it was amazing. Here's just something that I found that was amazing. So people got a stimulus, um, not this one before, the one that was, I think was $1,200 or something like that, when mm-hmm. 45 was president. And then when he's about to go out the door, they negotiate another stimulus, which is less. But all of a sudden, he thinks that everybody should get 2000 So my first question was, well, where were you when they got the 1200 Right. Exactly. So you know, so this was just a grandstanding moment as you're stepping out to make it seem like you're, you know, the greatest thing on earth because you could have done something when you were sitting there when you had the majority in the Senate and you didn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and then I I saw a friend of mine say, you know, when when uh Speaker Pelosi went back and she said, you know what, we'll vote in the House for this two thousand. And they had something derogatory to say about her then. Like she was grandstanding. And I, I realized that it, you know, like her or not for her ideology or who she is, whatever, I don't care. But I realized at that point that to a certain set of people, it doesn't matter what she does. She could save the world and they'll find a way to say that, you know, she's thoughtless, she's brainless, she's this, she's that. And, and, and I can't understand how this person can be a part of my circle and be my friend. So, like I said, I lost a lot of people in social media, or, or I got rid of. I don't want to say lost because I don't think it's a loss when I find out that that's the way you think. Sometimes you can lose that way. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it happens. I I had a couple of black friends that were Trump supporters, and you try to separate that from your friendship, but it's it's tough, man. It's tough when you when you feel that this is ignorance or, you know, you have your own thoughts in your head and you're like, how do I keep hanging with this person? How do I keep talking to this person? Because it consumes you because you're normal thinking. So I get it. Well, I have a few, I have a few uh, um, black friends too are also uh, supporters of of, uh, President Trump. And I think that, um, some of them are still on my uh, on my friend list because I think we were able to have a conversation. Um, I wouldn't lie that when I finished the conversation, I got off the phone. Like, you know, my 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 eyes were rolling up in the back of my head because I'm like, "You've got to be kidding!" But they ne- they never they never crossed that line. Um, you know, in terms of the 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 race line or anything like that, they simply believed in certain aspects of what he was doing. And, and you have to think about it for a second. You know, in every, in every truth, there's lies, and every lies, there's a bit of truth. And um, if you think about it for a second, you did have a number of celebrities, black celebrities, who um, were very supportive of uh, number 45. And I think that they were very, and I, I, I didn't understand it for a while, but then 
towards the end, I understood it a little bit in the sense that they were not looking at the overall performance and the overall man and the office that he held. They were looking at one specific thing related to, let's say, for instance, taxes that was really relevant to their tax bracket. And, you know, and, and so, you know, it's, it's funny because once, once they looked at that, then they were all for him because it benefited them financially because they happened to be, you know, in, the, in that small percentage of African-Americans who were that wealthy. And, you know, since he was for the wealthy, you know, they, they sort of, you know, rationalized in their minds. Well, you know, if, 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 you know, he's, he did this and he did that. And for this reason, I'm able to have my independence and, and, and keep my, the most of my money I make and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, they never looked at the rest of, I think, of what the man was doing. They just simply said, you know, this aspect works for me. Um, but I think it, it, it's, before we, we, we move on to something else, I, you know, I got to say that the world is changing um, in some ways good, in some ways well, I think it's getting worse. But we're always going to have differences, and I think over time those differences will become uh, more, of, more of stark differences. And we need to be able to have a conversation be on the completely opposite sides and still keep the integrity of our relationships and, and the respect for each other. And I think when, you, when it boils down to it, to, you know, for me, when you think about other, other people who were in, in, in political office who we thought that you know, were missing a screw or two, I, I think about, what was his name, uh, Dan Quayle? <laughs> right. You know, when you think about it, there's a few people in history that I could name, and I hope I didn't offend him or anyone else by saying that, but oh well. Um, when I think about them and, and, and the things that they may have said or done, we had people from different, you know, I could name some others. It, you know, it's going to happen. It's, it's going to happen where we elect someone who is there at the right place at the right time when something is going on in our lives and they seem to, you know, we're desperate and they seem to be the answer for that. And because we're so laser focused on survival that we ignore the rest of the package, it's going to happen again. And the question is, when we, when we sit back, after we put that person in, 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 in the Oval Office and we sit back and, and it becomes that, that, oh, what have I done moment, can we live together for the, for the duration of that term without losing ourselves as people, as a society, as friends, and without losing respect for each other and, moreover, respect for the nation? I think that's a big question. That, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, the, I think that's the thing that we don't, <laughs> as you said that, if we're always looking out for self individually, right, I, I just don't see how we move together as a society where we will look out for one another, where this, this future that we look to have, because at the end of the day, it's like you said, if Trump did all of these things. And everybody has these self-interest and you're looking at the one thing that could benefit you and you say, okay, for this 1%, I could ignore all the other 99. That means anybody can be put in a position to have some type of hold over you just because self-interest are always going to overcome whatever the greater good is, it seems, for the time being. So it's tough that, 
you know, in a perfect world, we would like to talk about different things and have different values and come together and, you know, treat everybody as equal. But it's so it I, I don't even see how that angle even operates as long as we have self-interest and things that we need and money and food and it's unequal. And, you know, some people have more than the others. I just don't see how that works. So that's always a question that I keep on the top of my mind. And, you know, we get people in the, in the world right now, you know, Joe Biden is the leader of the country. So we say to ourselves, hopefully he does things to inspire people to change. And that builds, right. It's a, it's a momentum. It's one person to the next. And then it keeps going. It's like that movie. Um, I forget what the name of it was called, but it was like, you know, you do something good and you pass it along and then you hope that that momentum builds up where, you know, people start to just look at things overall instead of just me, me, me. But it's, it's that's a tough tunnel to, to, to negotiate, to, to find yourself going through. So yeah, that's just, just a thought that comes to mind. And that, and I think that, the black yeah, I think that this president number 46 I, I was thinking about for a few moments earlier today, and I'm saying to myself, I wonder how successful he can actually be. And, and I know that's something that many people don't want to hear. But, you know, we have those situations where there are certain votes that in the Senate require a simple majority. And then we have the deeper things that require two-thirds. When we look at the, you know, it's, it's what, 50-50 with the vice president being the deciding vote? You know, when, when, when we look at how people reacted, even, on the, even after the riots, where we had a, a set of, and I'm going to say Republicans, who, whose lives were in danger as well on that day, because let's face it, we heard that these people had uh, intentions if they got certain officials, they had zip ties, they had, you know, they had, you know, acts of violence and kidnapping, all these things in mind. And these are things that the, the FBI has come out and said, you know, this is, this is what they have deemed to be true. And yet you had people who stood up there and felt that, you know, and the argument was, I'm so, you know, tonight I'm feeling in a, in a very blunt mood. The argument was stupid. The argument was stupid because I heard one specific uh, um, uh, legislator say something about Pennsylvania and how the how the how the laws went and what was changed, and then they're going to say, "Well, you know, there were you know how many thousand votes, two, three thousand votes, or whatever that should not have been counted." What difference does it make? What did he win by? Almost a hundred thousand votes, Biden in, in Pennsylvania. I mean, what what is your point? You know, you just you. So for you to stand in front of the country after seeing this happen, where you know the country wants to unite because everyone who was not down there, I and I want to believe that even supporters of forty five, and 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 you know both supporters and and, and non supporters of forty five looked in horror because I, I want to think that there's whatever you follow from, like you said, and like we discussed before, even if it's a self-interest, um, whatever you follow, you have, you know, some people do have some decency in them and they would look of horror as, uh, especially people who are very patriotic um, would have said, you know, this, this, this can't be happening. The world is looking at us. We got people climbing up the face of the building, you know, breaking windows on, 
on on sake on our sacred legislative ground. You know what this is. This is you know in terms of the legislature, that's holy ground. And you know, so you, you kind of have to wonder and after all of that when you had I think you had both members of the House and the Senate stand, um, with you know with with in, in support of or, or, or of of forty five when even some of his staunch supporters, and I remember seeing it, like Lindsey Graham, and most recently, you know, in the last few days, even Mitch McConnell has, has sort of turned against him. His, his vice president has turned against him. And yet these few stood there. So you have to wonder, when, when Biden is trying to um, push bills forward and try to make, trying to make changes, what is going to be the next excuse for, not, for him not getting enough votes when two-thirds are necessary to move forward, you know, and if he finds himself in that position, unfortunately, it's the kind of kind of game where he gets the blame, even if you know he's he's doing his best. I think what it came down to is uh, a lot of people loved forty five more than they loved America. So mm. what it came down yeah. to is we're going to support him even if it makes our country look bad, which is counter-American, right? Right? It's not, it's not supposed to be what we believe democracy to be, right? We're supposed to, at the end of the day, we're supposed to stand up for the, the USA. We're supposed to America first, and, and we bleed red, white, and blue, but these jokers only bled Trump. So the fact that they cared about um, whatever crazy story or theories to make him be president, false theories, false narratives, they cared about that way more than how our country looked in front of the world. And yeah, you're right. Mitch McConnell uh, eventually changed the story and, and he doesn't like what Trump did, but that's just now because Trump's out. This was, He wasn't doing this last week. Yes, yes. I don't yes. want to <laughs> yes, I agree with you. Yes. So that's that's just another way to play the game. Yes. Yeah, they yeah. jump ship. I mean, it's like all those people who resigned from the White House days before his his presidency ended in protest. Give me a break. You know, like like I was I was looking at some newscast, <laughs> and and they were saying, wait a minute, you mean? And they listed a whole bunch. They're saying like. You know, this happened and it didn't cause you to resign. This happened and it didn't cause you to resign. This happened and now, five days before the presidency, you resigning in protest? Give me a break. Yeah. Right, so I think we've, we've, we've given our uh, audience something entertaining about politics, and but we promised them you know, a conversation about what's on our minds. So tell me something else that's on the minds of uh, a cast of uh, Broad Podcasts. Hmm. We do a lot of um, talk about relationships. We get emails from people that reach out to us asking for advice about uh, dealing with different issues in relationships. It's been an ongoing thing. And some of the questions can be interesting, to say the least. Um, I don't think relationships is heavy on your platform though. But um I'm trying to think what's what's the most interesting that we've come across that you might 
find interesting. Um, you know what? Some of them deal with uh, things like should you date someone that's been in prison? Should you? Is how important is finances? Um, I mean, they're real questions. So. So pick one of them and let's, let's give our audience a flavor. Let's do a, a switch from the politics because uh, that, that conversation of politics can go on for the next you know 10 hours and we still have enough, uh, <laughs> enough content to keep going. But to give them a bit of a flavor and to give them a twist on 247 Real Talk, let's talk relationships. What's, what's the most recent pressing question that you got in relationships that we can uh, explore? You know what? Uh, the most recent one was um, how important is your mate's dating history or sexual history when it comes to your relationship? Mm. You just I think you just made a few of our audience members sit up. <laughs> <laughs> So we did we, we did we did talk about this and um uh I guess I'll give the same take that I gave. Uh it, it, my perspective was that um it shouldn't really matter to you. Uh it, it shouldn't matter to you. What you have with your uh, mate is what you have with your mate. I personally I don't want to hear nothing. You know, right. I don't care about who you kissed or what you did or whatever. What we have is what we have and let's let's concentrate on us. That was my perspective. But the fellas don't necessarily agree with me. So let's hear what the disagreement is. Then I'll then I'll jump in. Okay. Courtney, you want to go first? Yeah, I mean, I we usually disagree. That's how it goes. Like <laughs> we have a question that it seems like we all agree about and we're all on different pages. I I started off by saying I have no idea what he is talking about, that it doesn't matter. I I'm confused by this take and I think it does matter. You know, you people go through their histories and they deal with who they deal with. And yeah, in a perfect world, I agree. Yeah. Ignore it. Don't think about it. But we're men, right? It's it's still going to be in the back of our mind. Who was she with? Who is she talking to? How many people was it? And the joke that we made was imagine you're going to all these places that you're, that you, you know, you usually attend or you're around and she knows everybody there. Is that going to bother you? You know, she knows every single male in most locations that you frequent. Is that going to peek at you in the back of your mind? So I feel that E has a very uh, perfect world thought to it, but I also believe that it's not true at all. All right. So I'm, I'm going to jump in there for a second before, because, you know, I'm, I'm going to add some uh, spice to the pot here. So listening to what you're saying, <laughs> And I'm thinking about it as you're saying it. So I think that what I've seen is, number one, we tend to add the importance and significance of a person's history once our relationship becomes monogamous. I mean, it, I remember many stories about, you know, a guy would meet a girl in the bar and she's the prettiest girl to him, at least in the bar. And, you know, he, he makes his play and he, you know, he pursues or whatever and he wins. And then, you know, they start dating or they become, you know, exclusive and they start going through the nightlife. And same thing, like you said, everywhere she goes, all the guys know her and blah, blah, blah. But you met her in a bar and 
what was what is now gnawing at you was likely evident when you met her, but you did cho- you chose to ignore it because you were blinded by your own intentions. So you know it's it's like it's like men who meet women in a certain environment, and then when they when you know when they they somehow become exclusive, they want them to change how they dress and how they look and how they this and how they that. And some women will do it. But others will will bluntly look at you and say, you know, and no man likes to hear this. You know, this is the way I was when you met me. Yeah, I mean, I think you've just found the conundrum of man, right? <laughs> you just summed it all up. Everything I'm saying, I know is hypocritical, right? It's like <laughs> you, you you set this standard for yourself, and I think it's that that turn, like you said, like. Once something becomes monogamous, like you have it in your mind, like, okay, now I, for some reason, I don't know why I've transformed her into this perfect being that she's supposed to be. And I believe that all these things from the past either never happened or what it is. Um, and it's weird because <laughs> Q had a point where he started talking and he, he just started talking about pride and ego. And that's all that it is. Right. And I noticed, I didn't say logic. I didn't say common sense. I didn't say <laughs> intelligence. Right. It's, pride and ego and that's what drives a lot of ill thought or ill-mannered thought yeah and, and and the thing about that is that you know we we i think you know gone are the days when you know the world has just changed so you're not gonna you know you're not gonna meet people in the time let's say my parents or our grandparents met people in and and society is different and i'm not saying one of the things I've learned over time as I, as I got older and learned uh, the history about my grandparents and, and, and things like that, they were not that different than what society, you know, what's going on in society today in front of our faces. It was just a well-kept secret. You know, yeah. it's, it's like, you know, I have a, my, my grandfather I knew growing up. I always knew that, you know, my grandfather had three children you know, two sons and a daughter, my father, his, my uncle and, and my aunt. And then I got to a certain age and I heard about this brother and this brother and this half brother and this brother, and you know, realizing that it was just not spoken about, you know? So, and I, I, you know, I think today people are much more outspoken and things are known a lot more, but I don't think the game is that different. And so, when you when you talk about someone's history, I think that I agree. You know that that that, that it's illogical in terms of or it has nothing to do with logic because it's it's emotions and passion that that get you at that point where you know you you're you're one day you're you met this girl and brand new and you're happy and you're walking down the street and guys are looking at you and you feel great because you're the center of attention because you know they're thinking wow how do you do that. How do you pull that off? Oh, I wish I could. And then you get to the point where the relationship goes to the next level. And all of a sudden it goes from, you know, being happy that the guy was looking at to, Hey man, what you looking at? (laughs) You know? (laughs) So you're right though. Times, I mean, times don't change that much. It's just technology does and things like that. Because, you know, uh, on my father's side, I'm the oldest of 10, so I get it. My, my father couldn't pull out of the parking space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so that, that is, so, 
I don't know if I've changed any any mind on, on on your theme in terms of how they look. But then again, like I said, it wasn't so much changing mind. It's, I don't. It, I don't. I don't think you answered the question, really. No. No, I think you you, you, you gave a good time to the boy, but you didn't answer. <laughs> well, okay, so and so uh, yeah, he, you hear this, my audience. He's putting me on the spot. He wants, he wants more. He wants. Okay, so yeah, yeah. Let's let's go there. Let's go there. Should it matter? Um, I think that it should matter early in the relationship if that's if if you can look at the relationship from the perspective of you know standing outside and seeing yourself with this person or whatever i think that if 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 though if that's a question that creates a problem it should be a question early in the relationship it should not be it sh- to me it shouldn't matter once you've crossed a certain point because if you're doing it correctly which i agree egos and all that we most of the time we don't this is, you know this is why relationships end up in the way they do, because, you know, um, you repeat the same thing and, you know, and you're doomed every time, you know, at, at a certain point. But if you, if you're, if you're talking about the absolute truth of it, you know, if, if, if it didn't matter, um, let's just choose a time on month three or month five or year one, and you looked at it and, yeah. and you, and you, especially if I, I think, and I think there's an exception here and the exception may be if you were lied to, so if someone comes out to you and that's just just to throw something in the air and you say to them, hey, by the way, how many people have you ever been with? And the person says, ah, you know, I've, I've led a sheltered life. I've only been with three or five people. And you hold that to be truth, which shall be what they say, self-evident. <laughs> and then that continues to be a truth through your life. Then it shouldn't matter at that point because once you moved on from that, then you know, if the if the if the ex boyfriend popped up in in you know from the past, and you know a lot of men tend to get jealous when that happens. Is hey, where are you going? I'm gonna have some coffee with an old friend. Who is it, Richard? Or who's Richard? Oh, he's an ex, and boom, everything you know everything blows up. Um, but if you really think about well, it, well, hold on, hold on. It, it, <laughs> if if everything blows up in that manner, then the issue is not so much about the history. The issues issues about your relationship. And the fact, because mm-hmm. that is that is more about what we feel. We feel immediately. We feel a threat that this ex boyfriend is going to come and, you know, you know, you're going to leave the house to go up. to lunch. And you're never going to show up again, right? Back <laughs> yeah. So, but if you if you if you if you dealt with all of this and you you're you're okay and you don't find out down the road that the number five she told you was actually five hundred, then. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, and, and I don't say I don't mean that in a derogatory way. So please, my my. Uh, Female audience, I'm not. I'm not trying to be. I'm just saying that you don't find out that the number is, is much larger, exponentially different, um, you know, in 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 a, in a negative way. Then it should not matter. Um, you know, sometimes I've heard of relationships where people people will meet new people and they're going along in their relationship and they have been truthful about their past. But then the the, the 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 other partner finds out that they've been they've been keeping a relationship going with that ex, not not a not an intimate relationship, but nevertheless a relationship and and the conversations. You know, sometimes when you when you're, I mean, think about it for a second. If you're single 
and you've dated enough and you know maybe you had this cool ex or a couple of exes and you still kind of communicate and sometimes the conversations can be a little uh, risque that's okay when you're single when you're married obviously or you're in a monogamous relationship that 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 that's muddy water right so I think that, you know, in those circumstances, you know, it becomes an issue. So now, did I answer the question or did I leave anything out? <laughs> you answered the, oh, answer okay. the question. Basically, um, if, it doesn't, if it doesn't matter early, it shouldn't matter at all. If it's the truth. Got you, got you. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to get me wrong. Let me, let me, let me close out this thought in my head by saying this. I'm not saying that I would be on board with, you know, I, I, and I have, and I say this because of a personal experience. When I say personal, I have a friend of mine who was married and he's married for quite a few years too. And he was very, you know, very freestyle, so to speak. He trusted his wife and whatever. And she had an ex who worked, you know, uh, in the same industry, but in another state. And once in a while, he would come into town and they would go have coffee. And I spoke to him and I said, you're cool with that? And he said, yeah. And I said, you're really cool with that? Said, yeah, there's no problem. You know, the ex, we're together. <laughs> Suffice to say that they're now divorced and she's with the ex. Ah. You just put sugar in the coffee. All right, so so yeah. <laughs> so you know, but but you know, if, if if we delved into relationships and we were giving counseling to our audience, we'd have to say that was a deeper issue, obviously, because I don't think yeah. that someone, even an ex, should be able to pull you away from your marriage unless there's a problem in your marriage. You're correct. So we you know we tend to want to jump about the bush and just say, well, you know what. If, 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 if I had not allowed them to go with the act, this would not have happened. No, it just would have happened in a different way with someone else. Exactly. I mean, I mean, everything has boundaries, right? And um, one can argue it's not up to the husband to say, you can't go with this man. And one could argue it's up to the wife to say, you know what? Because I have a husband, we can't be hanging out like that. You know, so it, 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 can, it, can go, it can go multiple ways. It's about boundaries and, and know what's right. But it's definitely a deeper issue than just uh, the need for coffee. Uh, uh, yes, and I, and I also agree with you. You said something very important there. I don't think that, and I don't do this in my relationship, I don't think that, you know, with, with my wife, I would never say you can't do something. And that's, that. you know, you have to be very careful. After you're married for a while, you understand the power of words and how much they can come back, come back to bite us. If you know, if we mm -hmm. don't use them correctly. So I would kind of, if I had a situation that ever happened like that, I would sort of voice my concern in a different way. I might say, look, you know what? Um, I don't believe that so, so happened, but I'm not comfortable with it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I would, and, and that conversation can go off the rails too. You know, it's it yeah. sometimes it's hard to win these things or even hard to get your point across. Cause when you say, I'm not comfortable with it. It's up to the maturity of the relationship and your partner to look at what you've said and, and discern that it, it, it's not about questioning whether she would do something wrong. 
It's yeah. about questioning the whole dynamic of, of the issue and you, you just don't feel, maybe it's something that never happened before, so you never thought about it. And now that it's happened and they want to go out and have lunch or dinner, whatever, this person, I'm not comfortable with it. And, you know, that's a slippery slope because then the things like trust and all these things can be thrown in each other's face, etc. And, you know, I, I, I think that I've met, I've met couples who have simply said, they've made that commitment to each other that they simply won't do it. And they'll simply say to their friend, look, you know, we can get together as a group, you know, and you bring your significant other and I'll bring my husband or wife or whatever the case may be. But they won't do the one-on-one thing simply out of respect for their partner and understanding that as a partner who has shown their level of commitment to relationship, that's not a decision I should have to make. You get what I'm saying? This is not a decision that I shouldn't even be put in the position of having to think about it. She, you know, it, it, it's, it's a way of, because I always say this, and I say this to my wife pretty often, men walk around, especially with men talking about how secure we are. But I will tell you, and I will attest to the fact that in a relationship, you are basically as secure as the other person makes you feel. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you don't, you're, not, you're not macho man because you're secure by yourself or you'll be by yourself. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's the value. So when a person, when your wife will, your, your, your partner will say to someone, an ex, you want to get together? That's fine. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll bring my husband, my boyfriend, my fiance, whatever. And, you know, then it's up to the, the ex now to either say, ah, oh, never mind. And then obviously, you know, they're motive or them say, okay, cool. And you are able to, you know, provide the person you're with with security because now they get to be present. They don't have any questions when you get home. You know, and and yeah. and and then I'll go one step further and say it's important too because when you get when you do get to the the location and you're having dinner or whatever, it's important for the maturity relationship for the the the, the spouse or whoever, which one ever it is that that's there for their ex to make sure that their current partner is included in the conversation. And the conversation is not just about the times that the, the, the person and the ex had in the past. If you get what I'm saying, in other words, you don't want to bring someone there and then your husband or your spouse sits quietly as it, as you and your ex have this whole conversation. You remember this, you remember that and you laugh and you're chatting and you, yeah, and, and third wheel. Yes, because the third wheel is not doesn't work for someone that you committed to. You have to. I think it's disrespectful almost. You know, you you have you have to. Go ahead. Definitely, definitely not almost. Definitely disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's a tricky thing, but most people see it as, and and it's weird because relationships today again are are weird because everything is sort of in your face. I think most people see it as. Um, why don't you trust me? Okay. But if you're really in a committed relationship, which is and, and one that's where there's true honesty between two people, it starts off with, you know, I'll, 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 I'll sort of go back to my friend that I mentioned that, that died from ALS before Christmas. She was an example of what I'm talking about. She was married to, uh, her husband is also a very good friend of mine. I think for 30 years at least. And 
and she's very young still. They met, you know, I remember her as a kid. They met when she was in, you know, high school. And, you know, she used to say to me all the time, you know, I go to work and I can't wait to come home to my husband. And, you know, and she would say to anyone, every, and, and she behaved in that manner so that they were priority to each other. And I think that, and I say that because this whole conversation about exes and all that, I never heard it. I mean, it could have, but I never heard it come from their relationship because that was not their focus. It didn't matter, you know, if, if an ex came into town and her husband didn't feel comfortable, I, did, I don't even think he had to say it. The mere expression on his face probably was enough for her to say, I'm not going to upset him. You know, this is just not going to happen. We're just not going to meet. We can talk on the phone, you know, and hi, how you doing? Nice to hear you, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and, and then that crosses over another line because some, some people will say, well, what happened? I can't have friends. You know, I had a past before you met me. I mean, you've heard, you hear all these things in relationships, you know. When I'm doing a lot of talking, I want to hear some broad podcast people talk about it. <laughs> uh, this, this, all of that stuff can be very tricky. Um, there are some guys that will walk up to a woman and try to talk to her. And when she says she's taken, he says, oh, you can't have friends. I mean, you know what his motive is at that point. So, you know. The different world we live in now with social media and access that people have and it it can complicate relationships can become more complicated than ever before because of those types of things, I think. So it takes a higher level of uh committedness than it ever did to be in a successful relationship, which is why so many of them fail. But you know, touching on what you just said and, and every time you guys, I guess you guys have done this a lot because every time you say something it, it triggers something else in me to say and <laughs> and you know when, you, when you're talking about you know it, when a guy says to a girl or whatever you can't have friends yeah we know what the what the motive is but I also think that and I and I think my wife taught me this too that we get comfortable in relationships and a lot of times, the innocent things end up being not innocent. They start out innocent. And a lot of times, the person who gets taken or gets uh, triggered by that line, you can't have friends, and they kind of think, well, yeah, I can have a friend or whatever. I think a lot of times it's because the person that they're with, they've been, if they've been with for a while, has stopped making them feel like they did when they first met. And, you know, a lot of times we get so caught up in life. And let's face it, there's so many things going on in life. You know, we just talked about politics before, et cetera. There's so many pressures in life that if you're not careful, you can become distant from the things that were important to your relationship and the, and, and the reasons and, and, and the dynamics that, that first caused the two of you to be attracted to each other, so into each other, not purposely, but you get caught up in everything in life and all of a sudden your partner becomes less of the focus of what it needs to be because you've been distracted by survival, income, paying the bills, you know, maybe, you know, sickness, uh, 
pressures at work, uh, all sorts of things. And, and before you know it, that person who you were with, who at one point could do no wrong, either begins to get on your nerves, even though you love them, right? or, they, or, or they, you don't see them as the person who could do no wrong. And let's face it, in the beginning, they were the exact same person, but your focus was different. Your, your motive was different. Your need was different. Your need was for the relationship. Now you've got comfortable. So now the simple things that, you know, I, I, I believe in chivalry. I grew up that way. You know, I still open the door for my wife. I still, you know, simple things that would make Proud of you, man. You know, <laughs> you know, when she hears this episode, she might have a rebuttal. So I got to be, <laughs> but you know, and, and, and there's times when I don't, and she reminds me that, you know, Hey, you know, you used to do this. And sometimes I get, I get annoyed and, you know, we'll get into a little thing. And when I reflect after the reason I got annoyed was not because she told me that the reason that I got annoyed is because she was right. Okay, so you 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 need to make someone continuously feel special. A relationship should not be so designed that once you're together and you're you're committed, that all the special things fade away. Yes, there's going to be pressures in life. I've been through them myself, but every time I think I'm about to get to the point where I'm about to go into that real area of danger, my wife will pull me back and say, "Hey." You don't do this. You don't do that. You know, I want to feel this way. I want to, and I'll be honest. And, and, and I don't think there's a, sim- a single time when she's done that, that to some degree, I haven't been guilty of being negligent. Right. And, and, and that's the thing about relationships. So when the guy comes up and says, you can't have friends, he's giving the person a choice. And if the relationship is the way that it used to be, and it should be better actually, then she won't accept the choice. But the fact that if she accepts that choice that she can have friends means that she is not fulfilled where she is. Agree or disagree? Mm. Agree. Agree. Yeah. Sure. yeah. I mean, I remember one time I was in college and I, I saw this young lady and I, and I, you know, I talked to her for a little bit and I asked her, can I have a number? And she said, she has a boyfriend. And I said, I have a math test. And she was like, what? I said, oh, I thought we were talking about things you can cheat on. You know? <laughs> so I get <laughs> the perspective of the dog man. But I'm no longer that man anymore. You know I mean? I'm a changed man now, and I understand. <laughs> so I, I want you to know that we've all, we've all had growth. And, and we're thankful for the wonderful advice, Shiver. Shivery is not dead, man. I'm going to go open some doors. Yeah, you got you to, gotta, <laughs> you know, it, it, the little things mean a lot. You know, I, my wife taught me. In the beginning, I think I used to, I used to, you know, I used to bring her flowers on special occasions. And I, I, you know, if you take the time to understand your partner, you realize now I bring her flowers for no special reason. And they become more special than the birthdays or the holidays because you actually put thought into it. You went somewhere and you saw these roses and you said, ah, I'm going to get those for her. And, you know, these are things we have to learn. I mean, we're we're never going to be perfect at it because... We need, you know, and, and there's a flip side to that. And this might get part of my audience upset too, but this is the conversation. The flip side to it is if you are, and, and there are you know, still traditional women. You know, my wife is, is, is very traditional to that sense. And so she still believes to a large extent or to a certain extent about the male role and the female role in a marriage. And if you happen to be 
in in the in, in the sense of a middleware it includes uh, the provider because you know today's age is different many relationships you know a woman can triple the salary of a man or whatever and you know and and so it it the dynamic is a little different but if you're taking on that true role um that that true role of origin that biblical role you know, let's put it for that for a moment um in this society in life these days you're under a lot of pressure you know finances um what's going on at work what's going on with you as a man as you get older maybe you know the uh, middle age crisis um and that that is middle age crisis goes on for everyone i don't care what what generation you're in okay i think everybody goes through something even if they don't recognize it or not um you know the simple things in society that that you you're you're you may be struggling with your, your, and, that, and let's take it to where we spoke about earlier, you know, in, in the gray area in politics, where you have a dream for your family, you're working towards that dream and you're, and you're, you're, you're barely holding on to it, not because you're not intelligent or because you're not accomplished or educated, but because you're black and you're not getting the doors opened and you keep, you keep hitting these walls everywhere you turn. And, and you know, and sometimes in these situations, it's, it's not just, and I want to make this clear. It's not just someone of a different color. Sometimes it's your own people that are doing this to you. Okay. They get a leg up and, and, and they get to a certain position of power and, 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 and I've seen this and they're afraid to do something for another black person because even, even though they experienced it themselves, now they don't want to be seen by, you know, the, the white person as, helping out the black person or helping out the brother, helping out, you know, uh, even if the person is fully qualified. And, and so I think you find yourself with so many challenges in life. And, and, and the thing about it is I have friends across every single race, creed and color. I, I, I do. And then some dear friends I've grown up with all my life, but I think I crossed over a few years ago. I, I think I used to be in denial of some of these things that, truly exist because it was a weird time where I felt like if I acknowledged them, then I would be threatening my friendships. And I think I, I crossed over one point where I realized this is my reality. This is who I am. This is what I'm facing. You can't hide it. You can't sugarcoat it. You know, it, it's real. And so those pressures of, of, of maintaining a household, of being a father, of being there as a father to your children, of dealing with children who are spending so much time in school that depending on where you live and what, what the school district is like and what the peers are like, you know, creates pressure on a relationship because of what children do or don't do. All those things impact a relationship and impact your ability to interact with your partner in a true way you should because the you know, being preoccupied by life can be can be destructive so i know i know that we're going to be ending soon and and then we have to go into bed but i did want to ask you as your final thoughts of like your advice in terms of what we can do moving forward as a culture like what is it that like if we took more responsibility not that you know we didn't have enough but 
what is it that you feel that we can do in turn and to make America, our culture, the world, whatever the case may be, like what are our next steps moving forward? Oh, wow. That's a, you know, I, I know you guys got to go to bed I'm a night owl. You guys sound like you're ready to snore. So. <laughs> um, I'm going to try to make it quick, but that's a deep question. Um, so I'm, a, I'm a really just going to touch the surface and, I'm, 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 so I'm, I'm going to trap you before I do that. I'm going to trap you by saying that I'm going to promise my audience that, that, that 247 Real Pro Talk and Broad Podcast are going to have another uh, episode where we can continue oh, yeah. these conversations. Absolutely. Can I get an agreement on that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, because I don't think I can delve into this deep enough with the time we have left, but I'll say this much. <laughs> um, I think that we start with self-examination. I think that we start with being truthful to ourselves. You know, I have a friend of mine who's an activist and he talks a lot about history and I get it. I get it what we've gone through. I get it what we're continuing to go through. But if we continue to hold on so tight to the past and sort of um, use it not in a positive way, but use it as a crutch, then we're going to have a difficulty moving forward. That's, that's one thing. The second thing is we, you know, we need to be, I think at this point, understand that the way forward means that we need to be our best. And that means sometimes being better than others who have walked the same path. You know, in certain cities, we've got too much of young black men killing young black men. We've got, you know, over, over nonsense, over, you know, the, the things that take out some of the, the most potential lives over, you know, you stepped on my shoe or you, you know, you disrespected my girl or you, all this nonsense. And I get it. I get it when you live in certain areas that are, that, that there's systemic uh, prejudice. And so you're, you're, you're subjected to a certain poverty level that you're struggling to get out of and you can't see a way of and you're desperate and you you turn to other means to take care of your family or just for a chance to live life without that depression but you know we look at we just passed the holiday of martin luther king you know we have to hold on to that dream and understand that if we want the true reality of that to come to pass we can't leave it to the people in power we have to demand change. And then when we demand change and we do get, as, as we inch up at each level of change that we secure, we have to live up to what we've demanded. We, we, you know, we, can't, we can't be self-destructive and still want to be acknowledged by the rest of the world as progressive. It, we, we can't do it. Yeah. Right. right. All right, so I think I'm thinking that I answered it on a high level without uh, getting into the, uh, you know, where I can go with it, obviously. But I, I, you know, I want to thank you guys for agreeing to be on the show. I, it took a little while for us to get together, but this has been not only truly enjoyable, but it's been most of my episodes. I have a specific topic that was discussed and it's usually based on the on, on experience a real life experience with my guest and it doesn't allow us to digress into other aspects of life real things that people are dealing with every day are all a part of 247 real talk so i want to you know 
say thank you to all you guys for staying up late and being bad past your bedtimes and all that. And, <laughs> and, um, and I know I do record late, but this has been truly an honor of mine. Um, I will promise my audience that you've heard it here that we will be back and we will have another episode where we deal with maybe even more provocative um, issues. <laughs> <laughs> and um, well, we, we, we want to thank you as well for having us. Yeah, yes. you're right. It took a while for us to get together, but the fact that we got together is great. We'll be back. We appreciate it. Yes, and I, I tell my Absolutely. audience, you know, check out the check out Bra podcast. You know, give them a listen. And, uh, you know, support them because it's supporting conversations like this that, that are also part of the change that we and the world needs to make. So thank you so much, fellas. And it's been an absolute honor. Uh, thank you so much, man. This is a pleasure. Thank you. We'll talk. All right. I want to say a very special thank you to my guests, the team, the Bra Podcast, who joined me on this episode for this most entertaining discussion. I want to say thank you to as my supporters as usual for all of your support and your comments and your feedback. Reminding you that you can listen to this episode and every episode on your favorite podcast app. You can also head over to the website, www.247realtalk.net where you can catch up with all that's going on with 247 Real Talk. If you'd like to leave some feedback on this episode or any episode, or if you'd like to be a guest in the show, you can leave me an email. Send me an email at podcast at 247realtalk.net. That's podcast at 247realtalk.net. It's been an absolute pleasure to be with you for this episode. Until I do this again, do take care of yourselves and each other.